Welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for another slam bam episode of greatness. Uh, this time I have a special guest in which I will introduce in a moment. First, uh, for some uh, little introductory purposes here, this podcast is brought to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and with video here on YouTube. Uh, as recent watchers of the Scientology world know, uh, there is ongoing litigation against Scientology. There's a Jane Doe case, the first of what will promise to be many cases. But that's not the only thing that's going on with Scientology in the legal arena these days. There is another case that we're going to be talking about here uh, in this podcast. And my guest this week is Michael Krieger, and he is uh, a father. He is not a Scientologist. Uh, he's you know, it, we will go over his experience with it, but he is involved in ongoing litigation uh, with the church and uh, Church of Scientology, and specifically in regards to um, his daughter. Now, uh, because there is his ongoing legal proceedings, we are not going to be referring to the individuals involved by name. We will be referring to them by more generic terms, and you'll understand who we're talking about. But um, that is just because this is an ongoing legal issue, and sometimes things are sensitive uh, when it gets into that. So, Michael, welcome to my show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Uh, it was, what was it, a year, year and a half ago that, that we first sort of ran into each other on social media? I think it was pushing two years ago when a lot of the uh, problems that I was having started to come to light. Um, and as we'll go into, I started asking questions. And of course, you were, uh, you were a very good resource. Yes. And we were, uh, you were kind of, you know, blitzing here and blitzing there on social media trying to get help. And it was a little bit wild at the time and a little unclear what was happening. But a lot of things have since clarified. And I'm, I'm glad that we can finally get this whole thing out there and let people know what's actually going on. So to start with, I just want to give you the floor and I want you to just kind of lay out here what's going on. Well, the best way that I can describe it is um, I married into Scientology. Uh, I met a girl in 2001. I married into Scientology unknowingly in 2002. Uh, very supportive family. Knew a little bit about the background, but to me, Scientology was introduced to me as more of a self-help kind of situation. Um, we were married. We had our normal problems. Uh, when I married her, she had a two-year-old daughter, which I took under my own wing and took care of for about seven years. Um, and then the marriage started to fall apart. Um, and of course, at that time, I was still in the church. Um, I had been doing the public side from 2002 up until basically about 2008. Um, and I didn't realize at that time, well, anyway, the divorce started and it didn't go well. And um, long story short, you name it, and you can ask me, you already know some of it, it happened to me, anywhere from the extremely bad to the extremely ugly, and it was the first season of the Aftermath show 
my current wife and I were watching the show and we turned and looked at each other and realized what was going on. We sat there and we said, you know, for the first couple of episodes, that happened to us, that happened to us, that happened to us. Oh my God, it wasn't a situation of a bad divorce. Um, I'm still learning by the day of how bad of an involvement the church had in my family and how naive I was to being pulled around by my nose. Just a couple of days ago, I learned something else that um, I had I had no idea because the church was again presented to me as a self-help financial better yourself kind of position. And I guess I'll, I'll say it by three years ago, if somebody would have asked me if I was a Scientologist, I would say, no, I took some public courses, but nowadays, yeah, I was in, I was in really bad. Interesting. Interesting. All right, let's break this down a little bit because there is a lot to talk about, actually, and we're really only just getting started. So you divorced in 2008. Did I get that right? Um, the, first marriage? Because, um, because of some of the situations, the divorce actually got uh, delayed several times um, mm -hmm. All because we, we had a daughter together. There was a stepdaughter, and then we had our daughter together who was born in 2004, which kind of delayed it. I think it actually went final in early 2009. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So you've been divorced for about 10 years now. Correct. Uh, is that right? Yes. Okay, cool. And, uh, and then more recently, so this all went down 10 years ago, but there have been custody issues. Many. Yes. Okay. Um, and the peculiarities of this also, which we'll get into, will involve the fact that the, uh, the litigation that's going on right now is happening in family court. Correct. And that's, that's an unusual venue for the Church of Scientology and for Scientologists to be, you know, appearing in with this kind, with what we're going to be talking about here. But basically, you, the problem stemmed from you get a divorce and you have custody issues. Uh, you have the you have the stepdaughter who you know was there when you when you married uh, your ex-wife. You have a new daughter that is now is biologically yours and hers. Uh, you have since remarried. Yes. And are there any children with that one? Yes, I have a four-year-old. Okay, so so uh, a before child, a during child, and an after child, as far as this first marriage goes. Correct. Okay, and there have been um, custody issues in regards to the uh, stepdaughter or the biological daughter? Mostly for the biological daughter, the stepdaughter ended quickly. Okay. Um, it was about 2008, we were in the middle of the divorce. We started the custody arrangement on our biological child. And the judge, and I've been through several, several judges in courthouses, the judge commended me in court for uh, taking in a child that wasn't mine and told me that in just a few short weeks, um, I would qualify for step-parent rights. And legally, I could have visitation, even though the visitation at that point was completely voluntarily. I was paying for the child. 
I was driving from San Diego to LA at least one to four times per week to visit with both of my daughters. I considered her mine. Um, and after the judge said I would step, I would qualify for step parent rights, I never saw her again. I went to pick her up. Oh, sorry. Um, I went to pick her up and they said that she wanted to go to her grandparents' house. And let me clarify, my wife that I was divorcing is a second, possibly third generation Scientologist. Um, her parents were very powerful in Asheville. Um, her mom was the treasurer of Narcanon LA and they carried a lot of clout. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was told that she was ill or didn't want to do something uh, that weekend, and I never saw her again. I take it back. I saw her once in passing uh, when she was about 13. Okay. All right. And, um, and then we have your shared biological child, this, this, the, the second one. Correct. Um, and this has been, she has been the point of most controversy in regards to visitation and custody rights? Throughout the divorce, it was, um, again, please understand my position up until about three, four years ago, I thought I just had a bad divorce. Um, mm -hmm. Up until I started talking to good people like you um, and uh, the sheep's clothing started falling off the, the wolf, so to speak. Every single court appearance, and there have been more than 20, um, we have gone through the Burbank Courthouse, the uh, LA Superior Courthouse, the Pasadena Courthouse, and now to San Diego. Every single court appearance is the same common denominator. They wanted me to go away, and I wanted to have rights to my daughter. Right. So, so that, that was the underlying current in every single court appearance. All right, and this has been in uh, this has been family court, obviously. That's correct. Okay, so um, when did it become? When did it start becoming clear to you that there was more than just a bad divorce case here? That Scientology was somehow involved, and something else was happening. Well, we always had our suspicions. Um, financially, that particular person always wanted more money, always was claiming that she was broke. Um, but then we had family that were still associated with that family that would tell us that she just donated $2,000 to the church. One of the times that we were going to go back to court to get my custody revoked or uh, suspended is that they were trying to tell the courts that um, my daughter got a tapeworm from my cat. So they provided a doctor's note to the court, and the doctor's note was a woman by the name of Dr. Cindy Clayton, which we later figured out was a Scientologist chiropractor. Correct. I actually knew her in, uh, when I was in the Sea Org in Los Angeles. Right, but it's very difficult to be sitting in family court um, trying to explain why your children make so much to you when you have a doctor giving evidence and a written testimony that your daughter shouldn't be with you because of a cat when she's not even a medical doctor. So that right. was one of the first signs. Um, one thing that I have a hard time talking about, um, I had been dating my current wife for about a month. 
and things were going well, and I got served. And I got served to appear oh, for molesting our mutual daughter. Oh, my God. But it wasn't in – it was in family court. It wasn't – there was no police. There was no – criminal charges. There was no phone call to the authorities. It was structured and it was planned. And the packet was two inches thick of false declarations and timing. And one person said it was on a Tuesday and one person said it was on a Thursday. And it was a visit. I even think it was a visitation or weekend. I didn't even have visitation. And it was just, but the point is I'm turning to a woman I'm now dating for about a month and I go, Hey, I'm getting accused of raping a child. Can you hang with me? Um, and she did. And that really, that really said a lot. So yeah. we went to court. Um, she helped me. And we went to court. And I walked in. And I remember the judge asking me where my attorney was. Because for um, several, several years, seven to nine years, depending on how you look at it, I represented myself. And I remember walking into court and the judge said, where's your attorney? And I go, I, I'm here by myself. And he goes, you do understand that if there's any inkling of a doubt, I have to turn this over to the DA for criminal prosecution. At a minimum, you'll be registered as a sex offender and you can go to prison. That's how far it was. And more than one of the declarations was from a Scientologist. And we didn't put one and two and three together. Um, I mean, honestly, Chris, we could, we could talk all day of all of the different ways that either another Scientologist was used or a Scientology policy was used, um, which I know we're going to get into the current uh, court activity, but they were using her and Scientology policy through family court for the ultimate goal, which was to disconnect from me because I had a big mouth and I stood up for my child. Right. You were the whole thrust of the of the litigation or the, the court appearances had to do with uh, your right to custody of, of, of your daughter, your biological daughter. Yes. Yes. Custody and visitation. Right. Custody and visitation. Yes. Okay. So first off, these are very serious charges and, uh, and yet you beat this rap. How, explain how that happened. Um, I'd like to say my wife and I are smarter than the average bear. Um, I'm not going to go into details about my current wife, but she's a very smart person. And when you lay it all down, it made no sense. And, and why was why was that? Why did not why did it not make sense? Are you talking about this one particular court activity? Yeah, yeah, the oh. sexual. Uh, yeah, that's that's a very serious charge, and I and people are going to want to know what what happened there because that's that's not something you want to mess around with, you know. One person said it happened on one day. One person said it could have happened on another day. One person said that I was a sexual deviant. One person said something else. And when you laid it all down in a court, it's it's in the preponderance of evidence. It was so, and I don't want to jinx myself here, knock on wood, but most of the cases that they've thrown at me, and we'll get into a couple more, 
are so ridiculously thrown together. It's like it's like a bad stew. Let's just take this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and throw it in and keep our fingers crossed that the judge will think Michael's a horrible dad. Um, I had a trial um, a couple of years later to see if I was eligible to be a parent. And it was me, the judge, her, her attorney, and a extremely biased minors counsel that was provided by the courts, which um, I'm kind of proud to say, I'm, as far as I know, the only person in California to get a minors counsel fired. I had her removed off the, off the case. Wow. Um, but to be on trial, it was a character trial to see if I should ever have access to my child ever again. And, and mm. to, to further answer your question, I've never done anything wrong. Well, I get that. I totally get that. And that's certainly the assumption that we have here in, in having this discussion. I'm curious, when you laid this evidence out or when you looked at the, the records of these, these various, I guess, uh, pleadings to the court or, or, or documents that were submitted to the court, I don't know what they're called. I, I don't think they were depositions, but what, what, what were they that these people were saying you were sexually assaulting your daughter? Um, the bulk of them, or I wouldn't say bulk, I would say probably half of them, which I've, I've since learned has happened to many other people. I was a sexual deviant that liked little children. This, this is what these things said or asserted about you. Yeah. Yes. And, and was there anything from presented to the court from your daughter? Saying no, my daughter, had... no, my daughter was probably four or five at the time. Okay, so nothing coming from her. This all just sort of came out of nowhere from these other people who you didn't even know or Correct. associate with. Correct. Okay, so once you, once you laid all this out to the judge right there on your own, which was frankly very ballsy or stupid or both, <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, but you did have success with, with uh, showing that this was a ridiculous charge and there was no merit to it. Correct. Um, the thing where they really screwed up, um, and again, I have to be very cautious of what I say because these are actual court documents. How they really screwed up was, uh, number one, I asked the judge. I said, judge, how can they never call the police? Why did they wait 10 days and call their attorney to put something in place for an appearance 45 days later. Me personally, if my child was to fall down and break their arm, or if I thought somebody had just molested my child, I would be on the phone with 911 in probably two minutes, if not sooner. Why did it take them 10 days? Why did it take that particular family 10 days to call an attorney and then put something in front of the courts almost two months later? Right. And the that, judge that, sat there. Obviously a good question. What did the judge have to say? Oh, oh, the judge turned and asked them. And the whole thing was over within 15 minutes. Wow. Okay. That, I mean, it's kind of scary that people can just do things like that, you know? Um, and these days, especially with various things on social media and stuff, we're in an environment where the accusation is as good as guilt in many cases. So um, it's nice to see that in an actual courtroom, family court, no less, uh, you were able to get this uh, ridiculousness you know, dismissed so quickly.
there is no way that I could, and and the, the intent of our um, our conversations are not to slander um, a parishioner of the Church of Scientology, but I lived with and um, followed the guidelines and trusted these people who were in the church hook, line, and sinker um, to the point. Uh, maybe we'll have the conversation some other day to the point of ridiculousness. Um, like if I pointed up and said, the sky is red and the grass is purple. These people seriously think it to the point right. where some of the information that they provided makes no logical sense whatsoever. If you're going to falsely accuse somebody of something, figure out what day it is. What well, you think? I mean, yeah, it's to say the least. Um, okay. So, so thankfully that didn't become uglier than it certainly easily could have. And you, and you dealt with that. What other sort of, now let's be clear about something. Maybe we should have said this earlier. How long has it actually been since you have been in the company of and, and spoken with your biological daughter? I've not seen her since Christmas of 2017. 2000 okay christmas 2017 correct 18 okay so year and a half correct okay yet you have court ordered full visitation full joint custody is that right that's correct and the court has actually ordered during the course of these proceedings that have been going on for years now the court actually ordered that you go see your daughter and that she be given to you so you can be a parent to her. Is that right? Correct. And I'll give you a couple of brief examples. Um, yes, please. So I started uh, um, taking courses at the Santa Rosa Mission, and then I went to Las Vegas, and then I went to Asho, and then I went to San Diego. Okay. When I started the divorce process when I was living in San Diego and she was in LA. Um, and then out of the blue, she moves to Colorado Springs without court permission. So we had to go to court on that one. And then that lasted for about a year and a half. And then out of the blue, she decides to move to Tampa Clearwater area. Okay. Without court permission. So what had been happening, and if you can go back to about 2000 and I'd probably say 2011, Every, again, going back to what I said a moment ago, every single court appearance was about me maintaining relationship with my daughter and her wanting to get me out of the way. So she thought that by moving to Colorado Springs, I would give up. What happened was the judge gave me more visitation and added phone calls. And then when she moved to Florida, then the judge gave me more phone calls, added Skype, added an order for my smaller child, my current wife, and also made the, the Scientology family pay for some of the plane tickets. So yes, to answer your question, my visitation order at last uh, court appearance was all spring, all summer, all winter, two phone calls, excuse me, one phone call a week and two Skypes, plus an additional order for contact with um, my biological daughter's stepmom, who they've been together for 10 years, um, and then also her little sister. So um, when we talk about the court appearance that happened last year, I'll kind of touch on that a little bit more. It was altered a little bit um, for both good and bad, which is, again, good and bad is a nice way of saying it. 
Okay, fair enough. So, but the point here is that you have, you should have had and have had full legal access to your biological daughter from your first marriage all this time. Correct. But you haven't even been in the same room as her for over for a year and a half now. When was the last time you actually heard from her at all? Um, one of those I can't discuss because of current court activity. Mm -hmm. um, but something happened in court June of last year, and that's a whole nother story. Um, if you'd like to discuss it now, uh, please tell me what happened last last June. So there's two parts to it. Um, when I first started finding out about how bad and how naive I was with the church and I started talking to good people like you and I joined the right Facebook groups and I started talking and I'm like, oh my gosh, how, how naive and how dumb we've been. Um, I have been memorizing and following the family court legal system since the late 2000s, and I'm pretty darn good at knowing the courts. So I was, I started doing their trick against them. If they're going to use family court against me, I'm going to use family court to protect me. So um, what happened was, is in 2017, through the Facebook groups, I started really speaking out. And the interference of the visitations and the phone calls was bad, really, really bad. The Scientology family was breathing down her throat during the phone calls. I mean, breathing down her neck during the phone calls to where she would post. Um, I, I've been basically watching, watching my child grow up via social media for two and a half years almost. So I would see her post something on social media. I would talk to her an hour later and go, oh, what did you do today? I forgot. Oh, well, what about your picture that you posted about you and your friends? I don't remember. And that's how it was for several months. So that's when I geared back up and I started going back to court and I started talking to ex-Scientologists and Sea Org members and, and other people who also went through this form of disconnection as a child. You see, disconnection is a religious choice. Parental alienation is illegal. And, it and, is. and what is that? What is parental alienation? Where you have one specific parent, or it can go both ways in some situations, you have one specific parent that their goal is usually of a personal goal, which is to sabotage the child and the other parent's relationship. Okay. And is that a legal uh, term, parental, parental alienation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So this is something that comes up in family court as an actual charge that can be dealt with in some fashion. Correct. Um, I've lost count of how many times my ex-Scientology family um, has been brought up for fines, penalties, sanctions, or change of custody based solely on interference under the guidelines of parental alienation. Yeah, big surprise right. there. It sounds like your ex-wife is doing every single thing she possibly can to keep you from being able to see your mutual daughter uh, with hers. That, I mean, that sounds kind of, kind of sums it up, but she's got a bunch of Scientologists as friends and family who are working with her. And then we have the official Church of Scientology, because you can have Scientologists who are doing 
things, you know, living life, getting through, doing whatever it is that they're doing. But then you have the official Church of Scientology and its, you know, cater of lawyers and, and its legal division and OSA and all of that. How has your situation connected with the official church? Okay. So um, two parts. Mm-hmm. So first of all, in late 2017, when I started asking questions, <clears throat> um, I asked questions via social media, via Facebook, through the groups, yourself and Aaron and, and Karen and Mike and Jeff and everybody. And everybody was very, very helpful. There's a lot of other people in there that I'm not going to mention. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. So in March of 2018, there was a Facebook group that was having a little social thing at the Lucky Anchor in Clearwater. And I said, you know what, I'm going to meet some of these people and I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. So I went to the gathering and I met the Headleys and I met uh, Mike and Aaron and Mary and all these other people. And, and they, were, they were so wonderful and very accepting and helpful. And, and I, every time I'd meet somebody new, somebody would say something and I go, oh my God, that, that happened to me. Like, I, I can't believe this. Well, another thing that I did, um, I called, I, I'm just a dad. I called the process server and I got a process server and the Tampa Sheriff Department. And I went to the Tampa org and we knocked on the door. Well, actually, we didn't have to knock on the door. They already knew I was coming somehow. Uh, they had cameras on tripods and they already had their own security there. And we served the church for my daughter's PC folders. Ah, so had your daughter then been doing services at the Tampa org then? Yes. Got got it. That's a ballsy move. So what happened then? Well, first of all, I still can't figure out how my daughter got on course because I have shared legal custody. It takes two signatures. The second thing about it... (laughs) <laughs> right. The second thing about it is under the shared legal custody guidelines, I have access to everybody, whether it be a doctor or a dentist or a therapist or her school. I just make a phone call. I'm still her dad. And at that time, we're still partially communicating. So right. I, ser- I serve the church and I've since found out that um, this is a very rare occurrence. They accepted service. They put out their little hand and they took it. So uh, apparently that's not too common. I've since learned. No, it is not common at all. Uh, one, it's not common for them to accept service. And two, it's not common that somebody goes after them in, in this way. And three, I don't think anybody's ever gone after them for what you specifically are doing right now. And this is what I find so intriguing about this. I mean, your story is, is tragic and horrible as many Scientologists uh, connected stories are. But the way you're fighting back is, uh, is really quite something because you have legal rights as her parent to the files, the reports, the information on her because she is a minor. Correct. And she is not in a position where she can just sign Scientology's legal contracts without your okay as Correct. well as having her biological mother's okay. Do we, as, am I getting this right, that in this situation, it requires both of you to be signing on the dotted line? 
Correct. And then there's also another little added variable in considering I've been arguing with the church over my daughter. And these go back to emails with Asho in 2007, 2008. Um, mm. They knew who I was. So by them allowing her to sign her in with only one signature, they may also be liable, the staff member who signed him in, because they already knew who I was. Now, let, let me clarify that. Up until that day, I was calling, I called the Tampa Org probably three to five times a week, talking to people. Hey, I called the inter the justice chief. They knew me my first name basis. Um, his secretary finally got to the point where she wouldn't even answer the phone when I would call. Um, oh, yeah, I was giving him my email address, my name, my phone number. I got rights here, buddy. I don't care if you are the only person that can talk to a, a suppressive person. Pick up the damn phone to talk to me. Wow. So you were all over this before you served them officially. Oh, yeah. Oh, trying yeah. to get the files, trying to let them know who you were, you were around, letting them know that you're the dad and you're not cool with what's going on. And they just basically, what, gave you the finger, like just ignored you, brushed you off? What, what happened? Well, that's when things started to change a little bit. As a matter of fact, um, that same day after the service. So I served the church. I've got a copy of the service. It's already been court filed. Um, this, you can call the sheriff and verify. Um, so I did that and then I went back to my hotel and then I went to the meet and greet with uh, with Mike and Aaron and Mary and everybody. Um, in that period- well, Wait a minute, back up a second. You did the service before you went to the get together? Yeah, I did the service in the morning and then the get together was in the evening. So they knew you were coming before the get together. Yes. Oh, now that's interesting because I had thought from when we had talked before that you had gone to the get together and Scientology had somehow overheard from that that you were no. planning on going to do the service. No, I think I think I think I'll be able to clarify that in one second. Yep. So I go back to the hotel and I'm you know, resting up, taking a shower and everything. And coincidentally, I was on the phone with Jerry Whitfield. And I'm talking to Jerry and uh, Jerry, Jerry and is I, Hannah Whitfield's husband, correct. A, a former Scientologist and a long-term ex-Scientologist who has helped many families and uh, people get out of Scientology and other cults. Correct. Their exit strategies work. Um, and I couldn't tell you how many times Jerry and Hannah have talked to me late into the evening and talked me off of a cliff. Yeah. Nice. Um, but I was actually on the phone with, with Jerry Whitfield, and I, I said, Jerry, I think there's a car in the parking lot staring at me. And as you know, the Whitfields have a very long history of uh, fair gaming. So Jerry gave me a couple of tips on how to react to them and how to wave and, you know, how to take a picture back. And it was actually very entertaining. But no, then I went to the, um, then I went to the event. Um, so I returned... And here's where it started to get kind of weird. And here I started to realize that, hey, maybe I struck a nerve here. Um, the, uh, one night, my wife and I are, I think, watching TV. And some strange guy knocks on the door. And he hands me a manila envelope. And there were two things in there. Well, there's a lot of things in there. But the two basic things in there was, first of all, all of my Facebook posts. Somebody had been tracking me and copying my conversations with you guys. I mean, even wait a minute. Some guy. Yeah, okay, so this is after you go serve the church. 
saying you want to get access to your daughter's files. Correct. You're back home in California. Correct. You had done that in Tampa. You go back to California. You're hanging out one night, watching TV, shortly after all this went down. And some nameless, faceless guy just shows up at your house and hands you this envelope? Yes. Did he introduce himself? Did he say anything about where he was from? No. He just knock, knock, knock. You open the door. Here's the envelope. Yeah. Um, and then he turned around and left? Yes. Damn. So um, I was under the and impression. It's got face, and it's got your social media. Po Jesus, that is the creepiest goddamn thing I've ever heard. Yeah, so Graham Barry and I have have called this the mystery filing um, for some period of time, and I'll explain why. Because there were two things in there. First of all, all my Facebook posts, and there's a whole bunch of other slanderous materials. I mean, stuff, emails that my wife and I, my ex-wife and I, had argued about ten years ago. You know, they tried to throw everything at me. Um, but even simple things like I put a picture of my family on Facebook. And we all know Mary Kahn said, beautiful family. Why would that be photocopied and sent to me? You know, it, so the other thing that was in the envelope was partially completed court paperwork. So I'm like, oh, no, I just got served. I'm going to court. And as I, as I referred to in a moment ago, we call it the mystery filing because there's no court date on it. There's no signature. It's missing half of the information. It's not a service. It's a scare tactic. Yeah. What are they? What are they threatening to file against you? Or what is? What is? What is that? Um. Well, to answer your question, I didn't shut up. I kept going. And then I got a second service. Or uh, actually, I did get served which was a packet that was somewhat identical, but this time it had dates, times, court appearance, court stamp, the whole thing on it. The first one was just a scare tactic, like keep your mouth shut or here's what we're going to do to you. And then I didn't keep my mouth shut, so here comes the second one, which actually had the, the court date and the appearance date on it. That was about the same time that I started getting involved with Graham Barry. Um, Graham now, believed anybody... Anybody out there who's thinking right now that this was all the brainchild of uh, his ex-wife? No. Uh -uh. No. That is not what's going on here. This is definitely a church operation at this point. And to answer your question, they took me to court for two things. Number one, to get my legal custody revoked. Why do, you, why do they want my legal custody revoked? Because I have shared legal custody and they have to turn over their precious files, number one. Right. So they, yep. they tried to, so the first thing they tried was cut you off at the knees, end off all custody, custodial rights, and that just solves their problem as far as they're concerned right then and there. Right. So they wanted, um, the number one, they asked for all of my custody to be revoked my shared legal custody. They painted the world's most horrible picture of me as an individual. But here's where it gets, as I talked about throwing stuff in, which is kind of stepping on your own feet. They wanted my legal custody revoked because, ready? And I've got this in writing. They said that I belong to hate groups on Facebook.
That was the sole purpose of me losing legal custody of my child. The right. second, the second thing that they, oh, and here's the thing. So the so the plan was to present you to the court as though you were a member of a neo-Nazi Facebook group or something, Correct. where in fact you were part of the Facebook groups that are showing support for Leah's show. Correct. So the. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if, if you can't, if you could find a better example of the relative views of good and bad, right and wrong, you know, good and evil. I mean, Scientology thinks anybody who shows up on those on those Leah support pages is a is the equivalent of a neo-Nazi hater, bigot, scumbag, and should be and should by that very act alone, joining that Facebook group, they deserve to have their children taken away from them. That is literally what Scientology's argument was. Right, but let me clarify this again. Wow. Let me clarify this. <laughs> they said that I belong to hate groups, and this is in the document, of signed, uh, against Scientology. Okay, I'm a horrible person. They threw every single thing they could at me from a dentist bill 10 years ago to an email to the church. They threw everything at me. But also at the same time, they didn't ask for my visitation to be canceled. Wait a minute. So I'm a horrible, horrible person that shouldn't have legal custody, but I can still see her. But they were trying to take your custodial legal. rights away. They're trying to take my legal custody away, but they were okay with visitation. Michael's a horrible, horrible, horrible person. He should not have legal custody. He should have no decision-making process. He should not have any access to his daughter's files, but he's a good enough guy to see her every weekend. Got it. Interesting distinction and, a, and an important one. Very important one. Visitation that would be okay because there's no legal grounds for you to get access to her files and everything. But, you know, uh, if they just were trying to take away the visitation, you'd still have the legal rights. So yeah, they were clearly, this was clearly a response to being served. Right. They And the fact that they actually laid out your whole time track also brings me back to a podcast I did a couple of weeks ago with Karen when she said the very first thing that gets done when a threat hits the Office of Special Affairs office is they do a thorough analysis and, and time track layout of the individuals involved and, and what has been their history. And so clearly they did all that and then, and then gave it to you as an intimidation tactic. Correct, correct. Damn. So they wanted my legal custody revoked so I could not go forward and get her files because I shared legal custody. They wanted yep. my visitations to be to be similar. Um, and then the third thing is, and by the way, they asked for, and don't quote me on this, I think they asked for 36 items. And 30, at the okay. 36 items. And and uh, jumping backwards, it would say things like, again, this is family court, right? They want an order that I am not able to speak about my family, my ex, or her church. I'm not allowed to post against my family, her, my ex, or the church. Every sentence ended with the church, the church, the church. Of course and it then, did. And at the very end, which I'm still shaking my head about in a little bit of humor, they asked the family court judge for an order of disconnection against 
my ex-wife. They actually snuck it in there. It's worded something to the extent of, we are requesting that the courts limit and exclude all contact between Michael and his ex-wife throughout the tenure of our minor child. Okay. And that I would, for the next five years, have to co-parent with her attorney. She asked the courts for an order of disconnection. Wow. Here's something that I don't think I've ever spoken openly about. Um, And I have to be very cautious. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. For a long time, I used an email tracker. Mm. I know know where my emails to her attorney went. How long they stayed, how long they stayed there and how they came back. Interesting. What did you find out? Um, that this was not really a family court matter. You don't say. <laughs> what? What? Uh, can you be more specific? No, I, I think I think you get my <laughs> my gist. I do get your point. I totally get your point, and I think our viewers will too. Okay, so uh, now let's talk about for a second the specifics of family court because we're not talking about just regular civil court here. We're talking about family law and it's a whole special branch and discipline of, of law. Um, deciding, you know, visitation, cust- you know, custodial rights, things like that. This is not a venue that the Church of Scientology ends up in. Uh, classically, right? They're usually being sued for some kind of civil suit or they're bringing some kind of civil suit against others, Um, but never in this case. And this opens the door to all kinds of interesting possibilities that, and for anybody who's, who might've missed it up until now, access to her files within the church is a key thing here that we're talking about. Because you are a parent to a minor, and this minor has partaken in Scientology services under, you know, her mother, uh, without your okay, without your consent, without your written agreement. Um, and so they're in a bit of, of hot water there, or they you know, eventually, you think this will eventually catch up to them, but so far it's been a very slow process. But you actually have grounds because of this to serve them and make these kind of demands. And this is the sort of thing that we have not seen uh, come at the church before. Correct. Um, what, uh, what, what is it exactly you're trying to do uh, with that service, of, with that notice? And uh, where, what's the outcome here? What are you trying to make? What are you trying to pull off here? Well, I think the outcome all the way around, and, and, and I have to add something to what you just said a moment ago. Okay, um, my daughter did not want to be a Scientologist. Okay, okay. she was- How do you know that? Um, I have proof. Okay. Specific, specifically from her. Okay, so she has expressed somehow to you that she is not doing Scientology services of her own accord or she doesn't want to be doing them. That is correct. Um, okay. l- 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 let me just clarify. Prior yeah. to the disconnection in um, in December of 2017, okay, my daughter did communicate with us very, very sparingly. And you could always tell, and again, I've never really talked about this before, 
there are some times when I'm like, hey, how was school? I forgot. Yeah, right? you mentioned that. Yeah. But then there were the times when we would Skype for an hour because nobody was home. And she would tell us the whole world. Ah, okay. So, so one of the things, uh, as far as I know, and again, it's still ongoing and I can't go into a lot of details, but from what I understand from very good sources, my daughter blew her, her courses uh, well over a year ago. Um, why she has not been uh, assessed as an SP um, at this point, living in a household full of Scientologists, I can't figure that out. Nobody can figure that out unless it goes back to who her grandparents are. Well, those kind of connections do matter when it comes to decisions like that, because being declared a suppressive person in Scientology uh, is a completely arbitrary matter. There is, the, the policies on it are not clear, and their, uh, their, their adjudication and the, the uh, application of those policies is, is almost random over time. And you find things like who the parents are, who the grandparents are, how much money is in their bank accounts, how much influence they have over uh, other Scientologists, how much of a of a public relations fiasco is there potentially in this situation. All of these things feed into whether or not somebody is going to be treated with the, with the uh, uh, velvet glove or the iron hand, right? Which one are they right. gonna get? And how much of this re you know, repeated velvet gloving or iron handing are they gonna get is gonna depend on factors like that. Right. So kind of putting the two things together, and now it's becoming public knowledge, I can say it. Um, most people know who Graham Barry is. Um, Graham is, I consider, a, a very dear friend of the family at this point. Um, Graham has served the church um, for my daughter's files, and he has actually reached out to Moxham directly, uh, Ken Moxham, and asked him exactly how he's going to be handling this. Um, and that's as far as I can go on that particular part, but to any uh, person in or out of the church that's listening, this is not going away. You mentioned something about a PR thing a moment ago. Um, it's an interesting battle, and it's not going to go away. Um, what, would, what would decide it for you? At what point are you done with this at this point? If my daughter was standing on my front doorstep. Okay. Okay. So just seeing her, or are we talking about actual schedule of, you know, visitation and that sort of thing? Or is it just, you just want to see her? I want, I want her, I want her home. Okay. 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 There's, there's some, which there's has some... been, which well, I'll remind everybody, which has already been ordered by the courts over a year ago. Correct. Let me back okay. up. Let me back up there. There's two very important pieces. After the mystery service came in and after we were served to go to court, in between that time and um, in between that time and actually going to court with Graham, uh, which of course we, we won um, all, over and over, um, I had to go back to court on an unrelated matter, um, marriage wise. Um, it was something more, more marriage related. And while I'm sitting in the courtroom, to answer your question of whether or not the church was involved, I'm sitting in the courtroom and the bailiff gets up and walks right toward me 
and then walks around me. And he's talking to somebody behind me. And he said, who are you? And he goes, well, I'm here to take notes. And he's like, well, do you have a case pending here? And he said, no, I'm just here to take notes. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, family court is a closed courtroom. You're going to have to get up and leave. So as the bailiff is walking this gentleman out, I turn around and I realize that that's one of the San Diego staff members. I recognize his face. Oh, for fuck's Wow. So, no, dead serious. So, no, I, be I, I have, I believe you. I just, there's, you know, it's not like, it's like they're not even smart about it. <laughs> it's so, just, so they're just so blatant so there are some other people that have appeared on the aftermath show that actually live in my neighborhood so they've gone through the fair gaming uh, by the way i've also gone through people following me to work and people sitting outside my house and you know the police and stuff like that but um so i called this particular person up and i go hey do you recognize this person because i had a photo and they're like oh yeah that's george gott there, I said his name, George Gott of the San Diego staff, uh, Church of Scientology was sitting behind me in court taking notes. And George Gott followed me to the elevator. And once I realized and he realized that I realized, yeah, he, he took off pretty quick. You know, and there's no, your ex lives in Florida? Tampa. Tampa, right. So there's no you know, a Scientology staff member at a, at, a, at a church of Scientology in San Diego, for example, is not going to go run errands for some random Scientologist in Tampa because she, you know, her ex is in court. That is something that the Church of Scientology has to order and arrange on official lines internally. Correct. And that's something that it would only happen through the Office of Special Affairs exclusively. There is no other way within Correct. every single thing that I know about how Scientology is structured and operates. There is no way that man could have ended up in that courtroom without a direct order from the Office of Special Affairs and a briefing on what to do. Right. And so that clearly indicates that, that the church is all over this uh, as right. and, you know, on top of the fact that you have strange men, you know, appearing at your door with manila envelopes. So, um, uh, by the way, I did call once I put one and two and three together. I called the sheriff department and got that particular bailiff's name, talked to the bailiff, and they're open for a subpoena. Um, all I need to do is is get a judge to sign it and we get the videotape showing good old George sitting there eavesdropping on family court stuff, which, by the way, is another violation, uh, another legality, because family court's a closed courtroom. Exactly. When you, go, when you go into family court, they close the doors. So you don't hear other families' dirty laundry. Oh, no, he sat through at least one or two other cases. So good old George, as a staff member, could be up for several different issues. Well, good old George should be, and so should they should definitely be sanctioned for that behavior because whether they knew or not that it was a closed courtroom, they were clearly just trying to get away with something, right? That wouldn't right. have that that wasn't an an impediment to uh, them ordering that to be done, uh, and it won't be in the future. So um, this is <laughs> this is really quite something that this is all happening. What's so, next? What's the next move for you here? Well, there's something that. Um, so Graham and I did go to court in uh, June of last year for the 
uh, bad attempt of stripping my legal custody so I can't get the folders and the order of disconnection, everything we just discussed. But what happened there is still in the works. And, and, and I, I check with Graham. I can talk about it. Disconnection is a church policy. Parental alienation is illegal. So we presented it as disconnection leading into parental alienation. And the judge agreed. The judge overruled on disconnection. Excellent. Now, it was Father's Day weekend of, of last year. And the judge looked at me and he said, when's the last time you've seen your daughter? And I said, um, it's, it was Christmas. And he goes, okay, where is she right down? And the uh, ex said that she was visiting her Scientology grandparents in, uh, in LA. And the judge said, you know what? I'm kind of done with this. Two things. Number one, go get in your car and go have a good weekend. By the time, so two things, by the time we could get things situated, she was gone. Right. They, 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 they had her back. They were saying that she was in fear for her life against me, um, and they put her on a plane and sent her back. Unbeknownst to them, and now I can talk about it, that same day that she was in fear for her life on Father's Day, I got a text of how much she loved and how much she missed me. Oops, darn, oops. The second thing that the judge did, and again, we're learning that this is really important. The judge ordered my daughter into therapy. Now, very sensitive subject. I'm not gonna go into the details, mm -hmm. but, but it has been determined, and I gotta I got be very careful here. It has been determined that it is extreme parental alienation. And the next step is reunification with me with no, how do I say this? No influence from that side of the family for several days prior and several days after. They want to remove my child out of that Scientology home for several days with an independent therapist and start the deprogramming. Now, wow. Wow. Taking, so we all know Scientology's point of view on therapist. Okay. So as you can tell, it hasn't happened yet because. Well, I, I, I think that goes unspoken. Um, but they want her removed out of that so we can start the repair. That's what the court says. So that's about as far as I can talk legally because Graham has something going on. There is another attorney that, that I've been talking to that has something else going on. And then there is what's happening in the family court in regards to disconnection versus parental alienation. Right. Uh, that's about as far as legally I, I can talk on that aspect. No, that's fine. That's t that totally paints the picture here. Um, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> to one, to see it happening in real time, and two, um, you know, to see that you are getting the cooperation of the family courts, that they actually get what's going on, and that they are taking the actions they can take to try to back you up on this. Tell is it really really communicates a lot. It communicates a lot about 
the, uh, the waning influence of Scientology, the incompetence of Scientology in this matter especially, and, um, and your strength and resolve in pursuing this, because I think there's a whole lot of parents out there who would have given up by now. This has not been an easy thing for you to, to go through, or this hasn't been a short thing either. This has not been going on for a couple months. This has been going on for years, and you keep persevering. And it's to your credit that you do. Well, thank you. Um, I do want to clarify two things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Please. Five years ago, four years ago, um, when I attempted, because I've got several other orders in place. Like, for instance, when they were going to take my daughter out of public school and put her into applied scholastics, I couldn't say it's a religious thing. I had to show the benefit of public school over applied scholastics. When they claimed religious preference for vaccinations, I had to show the best interest to get her vaccinated. And I don't want to have that conversation. Okay. I had to get it off of the church because five years ago, the second you mentioned church or Scientology, I'm done. I could not tell you how many court appearances ended prematurely because the judge go, I'm not going there. However, June of last year, when we were in court and we openly talked about Scientology and we talked about the Facebook hate groups and we talked about disconnection um, and we talked about the aftermath. Every single person in that courtroom, from the clerk to the judge to the other family sitting there, knew exactly what we were talking about. And the judge a couple of times said, I'm not going there. However, the judge did take what we were saying and put it back into family court. They walked out with nothing. Zero. As a matter of fact, they lost credibility. Incredible amount of credibility. But the point is, five years ago, no, the court system failed us, 100%. This time, as soon as the word Lee Remedy in the aftermath and disconnection came out, you could have heard a pin drop in that courtroom. Oh, my God. There was a family that talked to me briefly when I was leaving that day. Said, is it real? Yes, it's real. So... Um, and disconnection, by the way, I'm dealing with the other part of disconnection right now, which I'll touch briefly on. And, I, and, I, and let me just clarify. Can, can I clarify the, the difference of the disconnection? So one of the things that has never, ever been answered, because it, um, it's not possible, was disconnection, and I'll use myself as an example, was disconnection invented for me to stay away from my child because my child is attached to a Scientology family and I don't want to ruin their eternity? Or was Scientology disconnected, was disconnection invented to punish me for walking out and I walked out with flying colors, dude? So which one is it? So let me give you three different modes of disconnection. Number one, I've been fighting for my daughter. They're now in her head. You want to talk to Mary Kahn. You want to talk to Lori Hodgkin. Do you want to talk to all those people? They're, you want to talk to Mike Rinder. Their children are turned against them. 
That's one sign of disconnection. Another sign of disconnection, which sounds so ridiculous, my daughter has a stepdad of, I think, eight and a half years. I've never met the guy. He is teaching my daughter to ride a bike and talk to boys and music and music influence and spending birthdays with. I've never met the guy other than what I've learned through other parties. I know nothing about the guy because he's a Scientologist and he can never, ever talk to me. I have a stranger raising my child. So that's one side of disconnection. So there's your children being turned against you. I never had the opportunity to meet somebody who's actually raising my child. And the third part about it is, I have a four-year-old who doesn't know where her sister is. We planned our wedding. We planned my wife's, she'll kill me for saying this, we partially planned my wife's cesarean around our visitation schedule with my daughter. The birth of my child, our wedding, our family vacations, our birthday parties were centered around the visitation with my child. And one day, she's gone. And a lot of people disagree with this, but um, earlier this year, we took, and if by chance my daughter ever sees this, I'm sorry. We took everything of hers out of the house. There's no, there's nothing of her here. And people are like, why are you doing that? Because I'm dealing with the other side of disconnection. If anybody has ever seen that stupid opening segment of Frozen, or the two little girls, you want to build a snowman. She thought she did something wrong. You know, she's four. And so we took everything out of the house. There's nothing in here. And I don't know if my daughter will show up tomorrow. She'll show up in court. She'll knock on my door. Or be like other people that I've, that I've become friends with. It's been 37 years. You know, you listen to some of the other disconnection stories. Hey, mom, I'll call you tomorrow. And tomorrow was 18 years ago. I need to protect my child. Because how do I explain to her right now when she's four why her sister didn't show up for her birthday party? Right. And the sad part about it is she didn't talk about it that much anymore. She, I don't know. Sorry. No, Uh, don't be sorry. Don't not apologize one bit. You're, you're living this. You have to go through this every day. We're just taking a little window here and, and, and looking at, you know, some parts of your, what's been your tragic circumstances for years now. And it's, I'm really glad that you brought up as many of these aspects, these parts of this that you have, because it needs to be pointed out that Scientology is not about family. Scientology is not about promoting good family relationships. Their, their PR is bullshit. 
They're about breaking things up if you get in the way of their monopoly or their money. That's what they're about. That's what drives all of this. And it's disgusting and it is putrid. It is sickening because this is not about giving people their eternity or, you know, relieving the stress and trauma of, of, of millions of years of, uh, of nonsense that you've been carrying around with you. All of that means nothing if a father can't see his own daughter. That daughter can't see her own sisters. I mean, come, what are we doing here? This is crazy. You know, it's a, it is a knockdown, drag out war. That is what this is. And, and you went in there with the blinders on, but the blinders aren't on anymore. And now you're taking, you know, this is a, a real frontal assault against the church. And I, I think you need nothing but support and, uh, and compassion and understanding. And you know what? Thank you for saying that because um, it hasn't been easy. Um, I'm not going to go into details, but... Well, I think the details you've given have been enough. Um, this is affecting me um, yeah. mentally and physically. Um, I'm not going to go into all the details, but I got some serious medical things going on. And I've been told by many people from family to friends to physicians, stop. What good are you if you're not here? And that's not a conversation to have with your fa your family. Um, and I can't say enough about about um, my wife. Um, she would she would shoot me for even mentioning her. She's a phenomenal person. But even going back to what I said a little while ago, I was dating her for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. And I go, by the way, I'm being accused of raping my other child, and and that set the tone. Um, she has stuck by my side and I can't, I've asked her why many times. Um, but now she's affected, you know, she had 10 years with my daughter and, and one day gone. So, right. uh, um, I hope, and there's one thing that I'm going to touch on very, very briefly. One of the things that we're pursuing in court, and it is being turned over to the right people, with some of the discoveries that I've made myself through my own research um, with the courts and the family courts and the custody and the shared custody and the legal rights of a parent, I got somebody involved in a completely different legal realm who has shown me that the PC folder arrangement may be null and void, okay? Because it takes a parent to sign a child in. It takes a parent to sign a child's PC folder agreement. However, once a child becomes the age of 18, they, they're an independent, just like car insurance or gym membership or a rental agreement or whatever example you want to you want to make. So that's a project that I've been working on in the background. It's not going to help me. 
Um, my case may be, my train may have already left, okay? I just have to admit that. But we may have stumbled upon some contract law which might be able to prevent this from happening to other families because, and I, you know, I can't go into too much of it because it's pending right now, but you can't force a kid to sign things that they don't understand. That's as far as I can go. Um, you can't do it. Fair enough. And I, I, I get what you're saying there. And I think that there are a lot of lessons here in your travails and experiences with this uh, for others. And I hope that this uh, podcast will get out to those people and will get broad enough uh, shares out there that, that people will become aware that the Church of Scientology is vulnerable in a lot of ways. They present this Fort Knox walled off, you know, amazingly strong legal picture that they're unassailable, unassaultable, that, 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 that nothing they, they touch can ever be, uh, you know, can ever be messed with. Um, but no, that is not the case at all, especially with this, uh, when there are children involved. So, uh, so this is definitely, I think this is just the beginning of people questioning what maybe they haven't been questioning up until now. Um, I, I can't say it out loud, um, but I have already created three minor case laws where if there was another family in my shoes next week, by the way, call Granberry. Um, if there was another family in my shoes next week or next month or next year, they can go, oh, hey, let's refer back to that, that Krieger case in San Diego Family Court where a judge has already rendered a, a decision. Um, exactly. And the only other thing I want to say, could I, you know, we're kind of wrapping it up here. Um, talk to people. If you are one of those people that I was for several years, talk to somebody. Um, the talk to somebody, you know, whether it's Rachel or uh, Rachel Bernstein, um, Jerry Whitfield, Hannah Whitfield, talk to somebody who has a 40 to 50 year history with this and they can sit, a, sit you down and they can talk you off the ledge. Like I said, um, I was not a believer in exit counseling two years ago. Talk to Chris, talk to the good people. Don't talk to the drama people, but talk to the people who actually know what they're talking about. You can't do this by yourself. You can't. You can't do it. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. There is no one in person who is strong enough to be able to deal with all of this. So, uh, okay, man. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time and sharing as much as you have on this. I, I knew that we had a lot to say here and we had a lot to get out here, but this is, I think this has come off exactly the way we wanted it to. And I think that this is going to uh, hit some people where it counts. And I think it needs to. And I hope that includes the church so that you get your daughter back. Because in the end, that's really what this is all about. It's not about glorifying or, or you know, tragicifying or whatever word you want to use. Your story is just another tragedy in Scientology's 
you know, another mark on their stick. We want this to end well for you. We want everybody to, to come out of this okay in the end. And if we can get uh, the right legal maneuvering done and we can, you know, then maybe we can have a win for the good guys on this one. Yeah, I, I, I really hope so. I'm going to go out and turn on my third video camera out in the driveway just in, just, just to be safe. Um, but then also at the same time, if we can, if we can help somebody else, um, absolutely. Or option number three, and I think any of the people from Lori to Mary to Lois to Mike to anybody, um, if their kids showed up on their doorstep one day, probably wouldn't be any more to talk about. That's right. That's don't, right. Excuse my friends, but don't fuck with my kids. <laughs> Big time, man. Well, if anything, this certainly highlights how Scientology specializes in making their own enemies. None of this was necessary. And that's a very good point. Yeah. It's just, they, they go out of their way to do it. My whole channel, completely unnecessary. None of this had to happen. But Scientology's destruction is in its DNA. They can't help but be awful people. And, you know, that's not making a value judgment about any one Scientologist. It's what it does to you that is so awful. Correct. And the really neat thing is that they have, maybe they do, but I don't think they realize the power of the people right now. I'm not the only parent going through this. I can say that. And there are so many things that are going on in the background that are not on Facebook, that are not on social media, that are not at the Brian Kent Law, Law Agency. They have no idea how unified we are. Excellent, man. No way. Excellent. Well, that's that's what it takes to, to fight back against this. So... Folks, we're going to wrap it up at now, which is not to say that uh, this is the last and only time I'm ever going to talk with Michael Krieger, but for now, uh, we've gotten out what we need to get out. So, Michael, thank you again. Folks, thank you. any questions, comments, feedback of any kind, leave it in the comment section here on YouTube or at sensiblyspeaking.com. I will post uh, information and links below here relevant to our talk. Uh, as I can, including Graham Barry's contact information in case you want to contact Michael's lawyer. I'm not going to put Michael's contact information because he needs to be left alone to do what he's doing. But, um, but you can find him on social media if you would like. So with that, uh, we're wrapping up this week. I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.